Hey, this is Jason. This episode is going to be a little bit different. What you're going to hear is a conversation that I had with Signal Hill that was originally intended to be used as a case study. But we thought the conversation might be insightful, so we decided to share it in its fullness as the last episode of our Brand Foundation series. We mentioned Signal Hill back in episode one. They're an incredible organization doing amazing work of educating young people on human value. I sat down with Carrie, the past executive director, and Derek, the current executive director, to talk about one of their big initiatives called the Valley Project. The latter half of the conversation, we talked about how their sprint went. What I love most about this episode is that you get an intimate look at the fruit that comes from having clarity and alignment. It's a really rich and vulnerable conversation. I hope you enjoy. This is the Speak the Unspoken podcast, where we help mission-focused brands unlock their potential. Our goal is to break down barriers holding your organization back and help you make bold decisions in strategy, communication, marketing, and culture. Hosted by Jason Jensen with Pat Padley and J.M. Boyd. We hope you enjoy the show. Where did Valley Project start? I had been with Signal Hill for probably about five or six months. And we'd seen some presentations and we'd watched, um, yeah, different presentations about the value of people from the unborn to the elderly. Um, And young people were listening, but you could tell that um, it was kind of going in one ear and out the other. Like... There, there didn't seem to be like a heart change in the presentation. They liked the material, but they're just something just the penny didn't seem to drop. Um, and so I remember driving one day and just thinking about, you know, where we were going and what we were going to do. And I had this thought and idea of having some sort of conference, still talking about educating about the unborn to the elderly and, you know, every person in between, but giving them an opportunity to put their hands to something so that they could apply the knowledge. Um, Because, you know, you know, I realized at that time I was a good 20 years older than them. Um, And so the most relevant message to a younger generation about the value of every person I thought was going to come through a young person because they're going to express it in a way that I didn't know how to, whether it was through social media or in reference to new movies or new songs or, or new ads or something like I didn't know their language. So, um, I wanted to like activate their leadership really. So I called you and said, I have this idea not really sure how it's going to go. Um, and we just talked about it and then we just, we did a pilot with three schools. We really didn't have (laughs) a formula. We really didn't know what we were doing. Um, but we landed on so many amazing things in that it was, I think it was three days over March break, right? I, I can't even remember if it was three or four days. It was, it was in a, in a school gym. Yeah. I can't, at Holy Cross? No. I don't even remember where it was. Yeah, I don't remember where it was. I, I remember we said, how do we transform this gym so it doesn't feel like a gym? Yeah. And then, uh, so we brought in a whole bunch of lights. And so we, the whole idea of atmosphere yeah. and how much that impacted them to walk into something and feel, hey, this space has been transformed. I feel like they kind of picked up on like, oh, how can we 
transform our spaces too. Totally. Yeah, because yeah, we didn't let them in, right? You guys got there super early. We decked out the gym. You guys had a video crew there. You were videotaping everything. Um, you were doing interviews with the kids. Um, and when they came in, they were just like their eyes were like, I remember um, Justine. She was like, right. remember? She walked in and she was like, I just feel so valued. Right. And we hadn't even t- talked. It was just the environment and the atmosphere. Um, yeah, so that was the beginning. And yeah, I can't overemphasize that we were like, it's an experiment. Yeah. <laughs> and the story kind of got written as we went. I think intuitively we, we knew that, hey, the experiment was if we helped people feel really valued and special, could they take that and share that with the rest of their school? So I feel like that was the the genesis of that first thing. What are kind of the, some of the other magic moments from that first one that kind of gave us clues that this could be super powerful? There was a young girl there and she was she lo- loved it. She was like engaged, but then she came up to almost like a, there was like a barrier, right? And you pinpointed it. You were like, something's going on with her. Um, there's like, there's leadership in there. She's got a message. Um, go talk to her and kind of just check out what's happening. And so as, um, as I connected with her, um, we just, we got to this place where, I mean, she's a beautiful young girl. She had been modeling before that um and she had talked about just her school environment and how she lived in a uh an environment a school and like a community that was all about looks money uh you know makeup just you know looking the part um and she said she was so frustrated with that um and she she wanted to kind of break that down so that people in her school would actually value people not because of their money or put their worth on their looks or something like that so then we did a photo shoot with her Mm -hmm. um, so that they were going to put it in her school. So she had a photo shoot of her just completely no makeup, nothing, just I think a white t-shirt and then a picture of her, um, you know, all decked out. And so then uh, you guys helped them come up with like a contrast side by side side to put up in the school. Um, And uh, I think, I think that was really impactful for her because something got unlocked in her mm-hmm. um, where it's like this burden that she carried um, because of the hurt that society had put on her and she didn't want other people in her school or her community or other people in her generation to have to walk through what she walked through. So she was able to be a leader uh, mm-hmm. in her school. And she, I remember right before that poster came out, she was freaking out because right. she was so vulnerable. Yeah, She put herself out there and they hung it in the gym. And it said, when am I worth more? Right. Was like the, the title on that thing. So no makeup on the left and fully makeup on the right. Yeah. With this open, vulnerable question to her community. Yeah. When am I worth more? Yeah. Yeah. Did you did you ever talk to her after? Um, like how it went? Like how what was that experience like? Yeah, she said that she said that people really responded to it, um, and um, I think it was that poster was the, the poster that was most. Um, I'm not sure what the right word is. The most like impactful mm. because it was her. Mm. All the other posters were, you know, stock photos or things that we had found. They were still really powerful. And I think she was a pretty, she was a very popular kid in that right. school. Um, so, uh, 
yeah, people responded really well to it. And I, I mean, it's a tough culture what yeah. she lives in. It's yeah. a really tough culture. So it could have gone really, really bad, but it didn't. Right. Um, what are some of the other kind of moments, either in that one or? There was um, there was one young girl who, um, she actually opened up really quickly. Um, so uh, we didn't know that she would have struggled with um, being social or bubbly or, you know, verbal, like you, you wouldn't really know that she had a difficulty sort of speaking to her peers because um, she opened up really well and she gelled really well with the other kids, which tells me that it was the environment that provided safety for her to be herself. Um, so uh, her and her um, team were working on um, their week campaign in their school and they had got lanyards and so I had picked them up and I was dropping them off at her house uh, so I dropped them off um, to her and the dad came up to me and said what have you done to my daughter like prior to this she couldn't even get up in front of her class and do a presentation without shaking like a leaf and now she's about to to get up in front of her whole school and talk about the value of every person um and so he was like I, what like what did you do and i was like we just loved her and just we just believe in her and she's she's done this um and uh yeah mm-hmm. As you say that story too, I, it's verbatim what happened this past value project with, with another young girl. Really? We went to the assembly at the end of the value week and her parents were sitting in the front row and they came to us and said, like you just said, what have you done with our daughter? Yeah. She left as one person and came back as a different person, someone who is passionate and bold in a way that she's never been before. And now she's up on stage telling her peers boldly to value every person to value themselves and they said what you did is incredible yeah hmm. that's so true they they also said um she now knows what she wants to do like hmm. up, up until that was she in grade 11 or grade 12 uh, grade 11 um so she's really bright uh she's smart i think everybody loves her i think she's you know, she's just an, an awesome kid or student. Um, and they said, now she knows what she wants to do. She wants to, you know, go into youth work or she wants to work with young people and she wants to empower them to be basically the best that they can be. Wow. So now she has like a purpose and she's, she knows where she's going in life. Um, which I think a lot of young people struggle with, right? Uh, there's this other young man who was in our first value project, came back as a leader in the second value project. Um, and he, uh, super smart he was amazing at the first one like super bright kid top top percentile in his class like Like, ridiculously smart um because he created this oh do you remember that he 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 wrote an autocad because we were doing a forced perspective um thing with a whole bunch of photos that spelt a word and he actually programmed (laughs) the the autocad yeah so that he could pre-visualize the it was all a, it was all pictures of students in his school spelling out the word value value yeah. and then they had an x marks the spot in the gym or wherever they hung it yeah um and it was and then there was a sign that said value is all about your perspective right mm-hmm. yeah so we built it and so all the other schools were like we want that too so he he went around remember he went around to all the schools uh, and cool. he was helping them he was like oh this is how you do it um so he wasn't just about 
leadership in his own school. He was about leadership in like more than just a school community, but like a city as a whole and actually ultimately a country. He said that it actually brought him back to Jesus. Hmm. It actually brought him back into an active faith because he was part of a, um, a Catholic community, but um, his faith wasn't that alive to him. So because of this, it brought him back to that. Then he actually went up to Kathleen LeBlanc after and said, I want to, I want to be active in youth. Um, and and then decided to go into net ministries and Mm. he said he said this was like the powerpoint for him into his next step Mm. to basically being a leader because he's in mission missions work all across canada Mm -hmm. um so not only did he you know transform his community but now he's actually transforming canada yeah um and he attributes it to the value project and and we never mentioned Jesus or God or anything at, all. at the Valley Project. All we did was value them and love them as we thought Christ would love these students. Yeah. We never said a word. We were just, it was all action. Yeah. Yeah, interesting. Derek, do you have any, any stories that are similar? Yeah, I mean, just on that one point, <laughs> at this past Value Project, um, I was off with a videographer doing some vignettes and this one student says into the camera, he says, you know, I've been to a lot of camps and ministries and, you know, church run events, but they're nothing like this. Yeah. And he, he's basically saying, this is so much better. And we're like, <laughs> we did not script this, but yeah, at the same time, a testament to what we're doing is actually having an effect. And just what you said before about about that one girl who came in and, and we didn't even notice that she had issues with, you know, being social or, you know, being outgoing. I feel like that's a story that repeats itself a lot. They come in, the first experience they have is being filmed with a slow-mo camera and clearly it's being very personalized. They come in, there's music, there's this reception where we're all cheering and waiting for them. And I, I feel that, the environment that we create for them almost immediately helps them to feel safe because the person that the the parents describe is someone that it feels like we knew the whole time, um, that something unlocks almost upon coming to the, the value project itself. And, and it's really cool to see that. And I think as part of who Signal Hill is called to be is just this value every person. And I think that's all we're doing, you know, and I think that the, the amazing part is, the, I, I agree with you, it's almost like the person that we receive, they quickly feel valued and have the freedom to be there themselves. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like we get that glimpse, we get the first glimpse and we don't know anything else. We, we don't know the person who lives not feeling valued. Mm-hmm. And there's, there's moments in every value project where I think we see somebody like really understand their value. Um, mm-hmm. I'm thinking of when we did some of those like real time affirmation stuff. Um, so in the student vignettes, when I was asking them questions, um, or when we asked them reflection questions on the last day of the summit, uh, it's interesting. You have all these ideas of what they're going to say, what their most profound thing is that they experienced and half the time they always catch you by surprise and uh, two of the two of the things that came up the most 
like most commonly amongst all the students, the first was how welcoming everyone was. You know, I'm thinking, is it the environment? Is it our uplighting? Is it the video and the, the loud bass and the fun dance parties? Is it that? And, and routinely, it's everyone is so welcoming here. They make you feel like you matter more than anyone. And I think that's a testament to how we run things, but it's also a testament to how powerful just being powerfully, boldly hospitable can be. Um, and that's one of the disarming things when they come in, they experience that and they immediately feel safe. And then the second thing that they said, more than anything, and this is a message we really drilled down into this, into this past, uh, we drilled down this time, um, was you don't have to be perfect. Mm -hmm. You know, you, everyone struggles. Um, being human is messy. And we gave all these examples and students came up on, on stage and were vulnerable in front of each other. And it was so powerful, it was so profound that the number one thing students reflected on after being after the staff being welcoming was that I didn't realize that I'm not alone. Mm -hmm. I didn't realize that that everyone struggles. You know, the questions they're asking are, am I normal? Right. Am I the only one? And the students found out, I'm not the only one. It's okay to be me where I'm at. Yeah. And to see them understand that unlocked them in a way that always surprises us because we know it's a good message, but we don't know how they're going to receive it. And it's really cool to see them actually to see and interpret that. The other thing, something that just sticks out to me, partly because I was involved with it, was um, we've done different uh, magic tricks, uh, different things that are really personalized to the students when they come in. Kind of break break down what you mean by a magic trick. Yeah, yeah. It's so, and let's, um, I'll just frame frame this. What the there's Valley Project and Signal Hill have this kind of DNA to us now. Like we're like, oh, Valley Project, it's going to be the same but different every time. So mm -hmm. let's talk about all these little pieces of DNA that that kind of create this thing. So the, one of them is magic tricks. So break down what we refer to as magic tricks. Yeah. So at the Value Project, every year we do something that is deeply personal to the students that they receive upon entering into the space that we, we present at throughout the duration of the time. Um, in the past, we've used booklets where there's been their faces um, designed onto the front cover. There's been invisible ink with messages to them. Um, there's di been different types of, of these types of there's been different examples of this this well, past time. And break even, I don't want to rush through this. Like yeah, yeah. the, we sneakily, you guys sneakily found everyone's picture and then we got an artist to hand draw like a pencil sketch of it. And that was on the front cover of every person's book. So it would be like Michelle and it would have her picture on it, John and his picture on it. So unpack that it, a little more. Well, I guess I'm unpacking it yeah, a little right. bit, but and then in the book it would say it would be variably printed, so it would actually be like, "Hey, Michelle," not just "Hey, Valley Project student." Like, just the that magic trick it was specifically how do we let everyone know that we were thinking about them when we created this book? So ever since the Value Project first began, it's evolved and you know, the first one was a total experiment and in a way they all are, but they keep basically trying to one up the one before. And 
this past year, the magic trick, the experience we wanted them to receive um, to let them know that we were expecting them, that we see them, that we value them, we gave them lanyards. And on the front of the lanyard was their, their face um, artistically drawn um, and then uh, graphically imposed onto a really vibrant color scheme. And on the back side, there was a personal affirmation, about 25 words, that affirmed each student in their uniqueness. That, and it came from the data that we, get, we got from their applications, as well as some personality um, quizzes we had them do. Basically, we wanted to get as much information about them as possible. And then we spent quite a bit of time actually writing out each affirmation individually for all 50 students. Like days and days. Days and days of this, going through their information, seeing their pictures, and, and speaking a truth that we felt was coming through their application. And at the value project, when they came to their tables and they saw their faces on these lanyards, it, it just blew them away. One student said, one student said to me, I couldn't believe that they took the time to draw me, that they, they took this time clearly to see me and speak something that I didn't see myself. And it's something in a way so simple, it's just a lanyard. Lots of conferences have lanyards, but we took a simple concept and we exploded it with meaning and purpose and personalization. And the effect is profound. And, and I think it comes from a place of actually wanting to do that. There's no kind of, hey, people need to know who each other are. We should have lanyards and like name things. It's like, no, how do we take this thing and turn it into an experience of value over and over? And yeah, I think, I think also giving, there were some things that we, you couldn't do for everyone, but I think if we go into the DNAs, affirmation is massive when um, and it's not some sort of feigned hey you're beautiful and you know like it's not generic it's not generic it's specific to the potential and uniqueness of that person Um, yeah there's a lot of parts to the value project that make it unique Uh, one of them is this experiential learning component we we don't just tell we show and tell um, we help them experience that which we're telling them. Um, so we don't just tell them they're valued. We give them a ton of experiences where they they feel it and internalize it. Mm-hmm. Can, can we talk about like Tinder Live? Yeah, please. Um, if you guys remember, we're like, hey, how do we how do we get people to see what they're doing in their digital lives and how that's affecting the real world? And so. Um, we read, oh, this was one kid who I kind of knew a little bit and I knew his parents, so they were safe the first time doing it. Um, but you can kind of, there's a lot of intentionality as to who we picked and we knew this was a risk going into yeah, it. I was but so we, scared. <laughs> <laughs> but we picked this, uh, this, this guy and we say, okay, great, you're a volunteer. And I said, hey, I need a brave volunteer in all fairness. So this guy, you know, volunteers and I go, great, I need, I need 10 girls to come up here and... Um, just form a line. And so basically what we said, okay, great, we're going to play Tinder live. And so what he had to do was he had to like swipe the girl's left if he, you know, or right if he wanted to or didn't want to to date them. And it's a setup. It's a total setup. And the whole point of that is being like, oh, this is so awkward in reality. But we feel, we just take it for granted when we're like on a phone, like 
reject, reject, accept, reject. Um, and I think the way it's set up is they're all, they're, they're going to either accept all the girls or they're going to reject all the girls. Like that's, there's no real, um, it's too awkward to be like, oh, I like just this one. That would be like, woo, you know, like, and it's too awkward to like pick half and not the other half or so. Uh, and then the magic happens when you ask the person, oh, why did, why did you reject everyone? Um, it, it, actually, if they reject everyone, then we go ask the girls, hey, what does it feel like to be rejected? And they, they have these really great candid, like, oh, that didn't feel good. Like, why would you reject me? Like, you know, and if he accepts all of them, which is the other one, then you say, uh, hey, girls, how do you feel like you're just one of many? And you just bait them with the questions. Uh, and then the object lesson is, hey, when we just figure we can swipe on people, we're actually dehumanizing them, even though we're just looking at a, a picture of them. Um, but that's the experiential learning side of it where they say, oh, yeah. Uh, now I can see what I'm doing just on Instagram and uh, Facebook and Tinder and um, whatever. We can do that, too. Another experiential learning piece that was really profound that we saw this past summit um, so at the summit, we, we talked about myths and arrows, myths being cultural, cultural narratives that we buy into that are not true. Um, and, and arrows are, are things that someone may have said or done either intentionally or not that we perceive negatively that have stuck with us, weighed us down, have wounded us, wounded us yeah. and never let us, and we've never forgotten it. Maybe someone said when you were quite young um, that you were were fat or uh, you could have tried harder there or you're not really good at defense and soccer or whatever these things are and you never forgot them. And so we did this really scary high risk but high reward experience where we asked the students to text a number. It was generated by a computer so it wasn't actually attached to anyone's phone but we asked them to text a number anonymously with their arrows and immediately and, and then what we're going to do is we're going to show the arrows on screen and the students started to text and it, they just poured in and they're heart-wrenching um, we didn't say we didn't say or give direction what kinds of arrows they just started to pour them in and there were so many that came on screen my family I feel like I always have to impress my family I feel that I'm not good enough I feel that I'm ugly I feel that, you know, people don't care about me. I feel alone in my school or, or tons of things that they said um, that came from these places of hurt. And then after that, our presenter asked a student, a brave student to come up. And the purpose of that was to show them not only that we all have arrows, but now how do you disarm them? And so in front of all the, and, and the students, were, just, just for, yeah they were asked, hey, is somebody willing to come and share what their arrows were, right? Yeah, they, absolutely. So they had total freedom to walk up and, and mm -hmm. share them, yeah. And we were going through the arrows in the back. So some of the, some of the arrows that came up, um, we weren't going to put on screen. We wanted to be very careful and protect the students themselves if they were very vulnerable in a place that we feel was best not shared publicly. Mm -hmm. um, but we wanted them also to have the freedom to share what they wanted. And so... Uh, the presenters at the front, they said, hey, if you've shared something that you've seen on screen, 
um, I just want to invite one of you up, a brave, a brave student to come up and we're going we're gonna to walk through together what it means to, to begin to take these arrows out. And two boys, uh, not at the same time, but two boys volunteered to come up and in front of everyone, they shared what their, what their arrows were. One, one kid talked about a comparison with his siblings and feeling like he's never good enough, that he's weak. Another, another kid, he talked about uh, his depression and how it arose from people in his school basically saying he's not good enough. He wanted to be a, a, a filmer mm-hmm. and that he's not good enough. He's never going to go anywhere. No one's going to watch his stuff. And he always felt that there was this, there was something crippling his, his passion. And so they said this in front of everyone. And the first thing the presenters did is what they affirmed them. They said, thank you so much for sharing with me. Cause the first, the first step to disarming the arrow is to, is to name it. Mm-hmm. The second step is to interpret it, to then go and unpack what actually happened. You know, how did you perceive what create a healthy person- interpretation of Go, what actually happened. Go back to the memory and and remember what happened and interpret and look at your own interpretation of it and call it forth. And the third thing is to share it with someone. And that's what we're doing right here. We're, we're not just keeping it to ourselves. We're sharing it. We're letting air come into this space that we've locked. And then once the door is open, then the fourth thing is to let truth come in and to invite affirmation. And so the presenters affirmed the students. They personally looked into their eyes and said, I believe in you. What happened to you? I'm so sorry, because it's not true. You're amazing. And they personalized it to the, the needs of each student, but you could see the students receiving truth in a place of their heart that they hadn't ever received truth in before. Mm-hmm. And it clearly impacted them, and both of them talked about it in in the reflections afterwards. And the amazing thing that happened with one of those students, the the young man that was talking about um, depression um, because of his choices in, in school. Later on, um, we had um, you know a panel of of people come, and one of them was Dr. Wayne, who um, you know we've been partnering with. Um, so unbeknownst to him, he didn't know that this young boy had got up and shared vulnerably about his depression and just struggling, you know, with identity. And there was a magic moment with Dr. Wayne speaking truth and life into this young man. So he was now open because he had gone through this process of sort mm. of pulling out the arrow, reframing it, allowing truth to come in. And Dr. Wayne affirmed him in front of everybody. He was the only person that he chose. And I think... I think he needed it the most out of out of everybody, um, and the entire um, group applauded him after. And mm. you saw him sheepishly receiving this love and affirmation, and not just from Dr. Wayne, but from all of his peers. Mm. It was such an incredible moment to watch. Um, and the reason why I share that is because we're very specific about who we partner with, because we care that. Um, about the people that are going to value other people. We're, we're, we're very specific about who comes and speaks and partners with us. We want to make sure that they that they have the same DNA as us. Right. That they'll do that. They're first and foremost foremost 
um, point is to love on these young people, empower them and pull out the greatness that, that sits within them. So that was pretty, that was an amazing moment. Yeah. I think, I think one of the things, one of the DNA things is absolutely when we see where somebody's, um, unique value kind of rises to the surface, like the permission to just stop, like no, there's no rushed agenda and Mm -hmm. like we have an agenda and a timeline and like we're trying to do this. Um, and I think there's a few moments that have been like, that one is amazing where we see somebody's value come up and then everyone can just stop and say, look how we're pouring into them. And I think it's a symbol for, it's true for everyone. We're just doing it for this one person right now. And I don't think everyone, no one feels like, oh, I wish they would do that for me. I think everyone feels like it's being done to them as well in the moment. Um, and I think when we pick media to show, like that's the principle too, is like, hey, um, when we see people affirming somebody's value innately within all of us, that's what we crave. And so that's why those those things move us a ton. And I think that's the, the DNA. Um, do you remember when we had we had a Dragon's Den kind of um, uh, young people pitch projects uh, at the end of a thing? And uh, this they said, this one group said, oh, we're going to write a slam poem for their assembly. Do you remember this? And uh, uh, was it, it was Jeff, right? Jeff was, um, Jeff is Carrie's husband. And he said, he was one of the dragons. And he said, oh, uh, do you have an example? Can you do that? And in the moment, we just had the total freedom to be like, he said, uh, yeah, I'll show you one that I wrote for my English class. And then he stood up and he delivered it. And it was amazing you know it was and it came out of nowhere it was incredible and then everyone was like clapping and yeah. <laughs> it was the best slam poetry i've heard it was phenomenal yeah so yeah it's like it's pulling out those moments it's being it's being not rushed enough or like giving space and always looking for the treasure within within the students but then and doing like, it in a group letting the other students see it yeah. that's mm. the big thing right yeah. when you discover truth it, it it's also a teaching moment for everyone else watching because the most persuasive inspiring things are not simply because you learned something right that you learned this this intellectual truth it's that you see an actual transformation happening in another person and saying to yourself something's different about them and i want it i want that experience for me and so they all saw that student go up there and be brave and be vulnerable and share something that's clearly private but that reflected his transformation and, and that inspiring them to say, I want to I have the same thing. I want to have the same impact. It's really cool. Yeah. I, I think of another, I just remembered another moment where, um, A, remember when karaoke just kind of sprung up? <gasps> yes. And like these girls just, you know. Um, Do you remember that? So, and then this one, I was like running that, particular session like just before it came up and this one girl was like you sing and I was like you know I I'm actually I feel like I'm an okay singer I've led worship and stuff for for years so I I wasn't uncomfortable but I didn't like the uh I I enjoyed the playfulness of like being thrown under the bus and I was like I'm not gonna sing you're gonna sing and then I said okay we just started chanting her name and then she stands up and she has an amazing voice (laughs) like 
you know, like super awesome. And then she starts singing. I, what song did Moana. she pick? She's picked a Moana song. Yeah. And it was, um, it, was a, it was a tough song and she totally nailed it. And that ended up going into, we had a screen set up. We had like a fog machine. We had all that kind of stuff for the environment. And it quickly ended up going into like a karaoke thing mm-hmm. that lasted for like two or three hours. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you had groups like getting together and like singing Queen and like us lighting it in a way that made it look like an epic concert. And um, just people genuinely enjoying each other and the, the sense of competition just evaporates, yeah. you know? Yeah. So. Yeah, it's, it's the little flourishes that you don't plan for, but they just happen. Uh, on the last uh, on the last session, um, the presenter was giving this this commissioning, and one of the IT guys in the back from Glass Canvas, he he starts playing very softly the Chariots of Fire soundtrack, <laughs> and it starts getting louder, and everyone starts waving their phone flashlights, and you don't make these moments up. You don't plan for them. They just happen. And when they do, they just make the, they just make the entire event. Yeah. Just that magic special kind of thing. One of the things that we've started to do more and more of is trying to measure and track the transformation that happens um, quantitatively. And so Mm -hmm. as Carrie mentioned, we partnered with a doctor in psychology and he's been doing this for 25 years He's developed tracking software that has helped over, I think it's 800,000 students globally. And so he's helped us to start uh, asking um, basically, uh, what are they called? Uh, the, the surveys when they come in and the like exit surveys when they post. leave. Yeah, pre and post surveys. And, uh, and we're even working with him now to do a couple month post. But, but one of the things that just sticks out is, you know, in the pre survey, there was uh, like two things that stick out. So one of them, you know, understanding, like I have positive self-perception and 7% disagreed, 26% said not sure, and then 67% agreed. This is all pre. This is all pre, yeah. Yeah, can you read those numbers one more time? So um, in answer to the question I have, or the statement I have positive self-perception, 67% agreed, but 26% were not sure and 7% disagreed. And then uh, another question was, I have empathy towards others. It was higher, 80% agreed, and uh, 20% were not sure. But then afterwards, those numbers for the same statements jumped up to 100%. Mm -hmm. Across the board? Across the board. Wow. Every single student said that their perception of themselves and others had drastically changed. Mm Mm-hmm. And that is such a testament to the effect that it's happening, having on these kids, because clearly we're seeing a change, not just on their faces, not just anecdotally, but actually in the data. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel, let's talk more about where, where the value project is going. Um, yeah, from here on out, we can, we can um, the one thing I wanted to mention before we go out of the, the DNA stuff is actually what the messaging is. So we talk about media literacy and um, it's all framed around uh, a value crisis. And when young people kind of understand that, oh, okay, like the system is set up against me in so many ways. We talk about 
how marketing um, comes from a perspective of manipulating you into a purchase. We talk about like we go through a whole bunch of Gucci ads as an example, and like how you know they are um, objectifying women and men, and uh, talk about movies too about how the human spirit like ascends and also like what is a movie actually saying to you and things like that and how so many of the messages in our culture are uh, devaluing people and as soon as they have eyes to see oh man like I'm just being sold one long lie for whether it be profit or power or all these other things then all of a sudden they can go I, I don't accept those things anymore and I'm going to move on. Does, does that make sense? Mm-hmm. What are some examples that you guys have seen in that space? So, so what sticks out to me about that is, or rather, in this past summit, we the theme was all out human. And we were trying to help them understand what does it mean to be thriving as all out humans? People that are just living their life fully free and reaching their potential. And to do that, we, we helped uh, frame that message by contrasting it against some of the, the myths again, um, these narratives that are expressed through culture, sometimes very intentionally, maybe maliciously for financial gain, but sometimes just not, um, the, not calculated, just people just generally think these. And we showed that through movies and advertisements and all this stuff. And one of the things we pointed out to them is, you know, in a Reebok commercial, for example, the, the students watch this and they see, you know, being more human is being stronger, being more fit, being more um, powerful. You know, and then we show another clip, I think it was a car commercial, and it was about beige socks. And it was, are you the person who buys beige socks? Or are you a person who buys, you know, the colorful socks? Because there's those who stand out and those who don't. And we kept showing examples of commercials and movies that are expressing a different picture of what it means to thrive as humans. And the thing we pointed out to them is, whether they're doing this intentionally or not, they keep reducing the human definition to one thing. Mm-hmm. And, they, and in doing so, they leave out a whole bunch of other things that are powerful uh, in understanding who we are. And so we're not just trying to, we're not just trying to um, dismantle the lies for them, we're trying to help expand the picture. We're trying to help them see that there's no one definition that encapsulates everything they are and that if they don't fit it, they've failed. And, and one of the things that we did actually as a, a media piece we had them create was we had them design human posters. So the students worked with graphic designers on site and they, they had this picture and the, the students wrote a definition of being human underneath it. So for example, being human is standing up for those who can't stand up for themselves. And that might've been a definition that they came up with. And they know it's not the only definition, it's just something, it's an aspect. It's seeing the statue from one side. and. In writing that, the, the designer then found a picture that reflected that and then actually drew over it and, and made the picture come to life. So it may have been a, just a man who is just standing there and they, they drew over his hands boxing gloves and you know the mouth guard and a towel around his shoulder to, to show, to show um, courage mm. or boldness and to take something just very normal and make it come to life. And then the students got to see their definition 
come to life and then they put that beside all the other definitions and they see, wow, being human isn't any one of these, it's all of these. And, and they hung those up around their school. They hung them up around their school. Each, each school had four of these posters and the schools actually wanted to share the posters um, between schools so mm. that they could keep seeing new definitions. And the point of that wasn't to say any one of these is what being human is. It's to say being human is so much more than what society tells you. Um, you know, society might not be saying the wrong thing. You might not be getting the wrong message, but it's not the only one. Right. And sometimes it's wrong. And sometimes it's blatantly wrong. Because colorful socks are clearly better than gray. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, right? <laughs> Everyone just looked and so like, you're not even wearing socks. I've started buying black socks. Yeah. It's just, if you lose one of the, the colorful socks, then... I, I heard the best life hack is just buy the same socks and... Jeff buys multiple ones of the same one. Yeah, I think I'm going to do that. Because then like, you never have to match them. Yeah, but then I was like, but then it kind of is cool to have like one stripe and one dotted. See, that's what I did. But I then everyone's like, I like oh, you're, not, you're mismatching. And yeah, I like, I like you know it. It's a, a statement. Yeah. You have value despite your socks. Thank you. I don't have socks. What does that mean? You have value despite your <laughs> lack of socks. Um, let's. That's great. Let's shift to what's the future of the Valley Project? Where is it going? If you could dream... How do we how do we push it with Dr. Wayne? How do we push it with? No, it's a great question. I mean, we're still in the the envisioning process for where it can go. So we've done four value project summits now. We started out with a value project, and we've run four of those. Um, eventually, we found out, wow, there's something in this brand that is really cool. This the DNA of the value project itself that we thought we could do. We can do more initiatives. Um, that are not the same thing as this weekend retreat, but yet are still related to that brand. And so we started to branching, branching out. And so um, we ended up renaming the Value Project, the Value Project Summit. And that was that three to four day long retreat where there's the media component and the students design something as well as learn about their value. Um, we're just about to launch what we call Value Project Presentations, which are one-hour presentations to high schools about different messages that are really important for them to hear, but that also meet the schools in their um, Ministry of Education requirements. So that we're helping the school, but we're also helping the kids. And we're doing it in an upstream way. So schools often want a reactive or interventionist approach to topics. So let's say there's a bullying issue in the school, they want someone to come and talk about bullying. And we say, that's great. Um, however, that's not us. What we do is we're prevention. We're upstream. We talk about the things that if you have these things in place, those problems will take care of themselves. If we can help your students understand the value of themselves and others, if they can have positive relationships and build empathy, then issues of bullying or vandalism or even stuff like drug addiction, um, these are some problems that will begin to take care of themselves because they're being sourced by something that, that we're not often focusing on. And so we're just about to launch value project presentations. Uh, a third thing that we've done, um, we're no longer going to be doing, um, is the value project conference. Um, it was a great experiment. We did this twice now. Uh, but uh, we decided that we wanted to focus our efforts on the value project summit and the value project presentations. Um, one is narrow reach, but significant depth. And the other one is the presentations. The other one is 
very wide reach, whole grades at a time, um, but moderate depth. And we wanted to focus our efforts on these two things because we feel that if we can, if we can get as many schools as possible, particularly in BC, to experience this dual-pronged approach to transforming their school culture, um, we can see a lot of success moving forward. Um, and success in your mind is? Success in our mind is, is transforming the lives of the young person so that the message of valuing themselves and others um, really begins to be internalized and expressed through making positive choices in their communities. And ultimately with the summit too, an emphasis on leadership so that they don't just stop with themselves, but they keep trying to make their communities great. And so because, and you, we've talked about this, so I'm going to, yeah, please. The more great communities, we actually think we can shift culture, at least in our region in order to become a value every person culture. Absolutely. This is where leveraging comes into play. You know, we want to focus our efforts on transforming the life of the young person with the goal that they then help transform their community, ultimately their school community. And if, if school communities in the same region start to produce students whose lives are transform transformed and who truly understand this message of value every person, then, then the cities then that those those school communities are in will become transformed because these are the leaders of tomorrow. These are the people who are going to be our politicians and our, our lawyers and our bosses, and, bosses yeah. and the people who are going to make really important decisions. And if we get enough of these, these cities and we can change not just one city or even one province, we can change the country. So we aim at the person, but our goal is the transformation ultimately of the entire community which is so important because the community is a significant factor in the development of the person. So we're trying to create a feedback loop, and but we're starting our, our efforts, our entrance into the circle is through the life of the student. Mm -hmm. Okay, let's go back into the details of like, okay, so we got the Value Project, um, the summit, where we can go deep with, with a few young people, but we wanted to reach more people, so we're going to do the Value Project presentation where we can go broad and meet like these prescribed learning outcomes in schools and things like that, and that plus, um, talk about the, the, the data that we want to be able to measure each person in a school. So if we had the ultimate relationship with a school, what would, what would that look like from the data perspective? Right. So there's two parts to this. One, and we're still exploring this as an option, but one is to be able to provide this, the schools themselves with the ability to track um, the development of their students, specifically in the form of resiliency. So there are different types of resiliency, and resiliency being itself the ability to navigate and engage life's um, challenges and opportunities successfully. So we're trying to help. We're looking at the possibility of helping schools through actual software track their their students from the beginning of their their tenure there to the end. Um, and see the changes that are going, that are happening. And, and that helps them identify students that are doing really well, but helps them identify students that are perhaps falling through the cracks. And with, if we can offer that framework, and it would be amazing if we can, if we can offer that framework, then on top of that framework, then we're saying, we're not only just helping you diagnose the issues in your school, the, the ways in which you can work to make your school better, we actually have some things that we believe are powerful in actually changing that itself. Um, 
So we help identify what the needs of the school are, but then we come in with something like the presentations. And our goal ultimately is to have a couple presentations per grade so that we're following the student along their journey throughout high school with messages that are very important to them. But then also, um, we want to be able to offer the summit in these schools too. Now, not every student can come, but we want to be able to offer this because, as Carrie mentioned, we believe that the best influencers um, in the lives of the students are the students themselves. Um, student leaders are more powerful than someone helicoptering in and out. If we can help change a couple students in their school, that they become the leaders that inspire their peers, then our our impact will be will be leverage will be multiplied. And so we believe that this approach, this this three pronged approach, really, um, of data tracking. Um, presentations that cover each grade and summits that cover a few students but very powerfully will help change the culture of each school um, so that each student not only values themselves and others but makes positive choices that reflect that value. Awesome. Walk me through your experience of the sprint. Okay. Um, Maybe from me begging you to do it for... I would probably say, yeah, so you had been talking to me about doing a sprint for like at least two or three years, at least two years. Um, and I have to admit, <laughs> I wish we had done it earlier, <laughs> as much as I hate saying it. Um, it delivered like far beyond our best expectations, my best expectations. I had an expectation. We sat down with you very clearly. We have to get this, we have to get this, we have to get this. But it was such a deep dive um, into everything that we do, like the why, the how. Um, does everything that we're currently doing aligning to where we're actually going? Like to actually discern who Signal Hill is and having our team around the table and having a board member around the table. Um, it was like emotional. It was inspirational. We, we had like aha moments throughout um, the journey because like um, when you have a board and when you have a staff, um, there can be unity, but you don't spend a lot of time together. And so you have different pieces, people passing on pieces of the story. So when we had a board member present, there was he filled in pieces of our past that actually released us for our future. Like, I just remember a moment of realizing what? That's what you guys did back there so that we could go here? Like a big, huge, pivotal piece got missed in translation. Um, so that freed us up to actually move forward and and create a plan. Um, so it and, was... And you could have moved forward before. It was just now you had the permission to be bold yeah. in, that, in that move. Yeah. 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 Well, and, that's the thing. I don't even know if we could move forward because I think everyone at the table probably would have a different understanding, a different why, a different way to articulate who is Signal Hill, mm -hmm. what do we do, and what's our goals. Mm -hmm. And so what was profoundly helpful, amazing about the sprint is that it helped bring all of those pieces together and then channel them through your help yeah. so that we come to these agreed upon statements that were like, yes, that's who we are. 
yes, that's what we do. Yes, we want to we want to go there. And I won't lie, it was as hard as it was amazing. You know, there there was as many tears as there were laughter because one of the things the sprint did was identify the pains, very explicitly the pains that we as an organization face um, because of the lack of clarity um, all around the table about those those central elements and and we had to make some pretty hard decisions of right what adds value to to our why and what takes value away and we had to cut things and people are really invested in different things and everyone has a different priority and so around the table when you have to cut things that you've been doing perhaps for a while great great projects were cut i know like that's the one of those being the value project conference you know we it was a great program but we felt that you know by by reallocating our time and effort and energy into into the summit and presentations we can actually do better and more of those things than the conference and as great as it was um i don't think we would have been able to actually cut it without the sprint yeah that's so true because as a nonprofit, you only have a certain amount of funds mm -hmm. and so we really had to ask ourselves what are our most effective projects and outside of those though they're great they're not ultimately helping us best achieve our why so we had to reprioritize and but we couldn't have done that unless we saw the whole picture so prior to that, we had done piecemeal because mm -hmm. of a nonprofit struggling a little bit with funds. Um, but being able to raise money to do that sprint, um, and uh, uh, you know, at like ultimately at the beginning, you're thinking, "Well, this is a pretty big investment," but it was absolutely, absolutely worth it because when you just do piecemeal over years, the environment changes, community changes, the world changes, everything changes. Um, so to be able to focus and have three days just to to put it all together, mm -hmm. it was crucial. Also, yeah. also something that is really helpful too is not having the organization itself lead itself through this process, because we get hung up on details. We get we get stuck in the weeds of things and rehash conversations we've had a million times. So we you need someone who's not you to see your blind spots and lead you through um, through this on this journey um, that you clearly can't take yourself you can't get yourself to your goal because you know you're just not the right person and so and I think that's a just a, a tribute to how great you guys are at what you do because um, you we've worked together for the time that I've been here for four years prior that prior to that you were there for probably four years so you'd known the organization for probably a good six to eight years so you've watched us grow and evolve um, but you were able to be like a third party but you knew the heart of who Signal Hill was and I think sometimes in partnering with you know different organizations they care you know about the about themselves you know they're a business you know they want to they want to accomplish what what their goals are but in partnering with you guys you have always helped us accomplish our why 
you always ask the tough questions. You always, I mean, you know, you always make us talk about things that we don't want to talk about. <laughs> you don't tell us what we want to hear. No, you, you tell us what we never need do. to hear. <laughs> right. But that's why the, the partnership has been so, that's really, it's you, Glass Canvas really has helped Signal Health flourish um, and strengthen over the years. Um, and something I can add about it, just our relationship period is that you're our design and marketing agency. You've helped us tremendously in our initiatives and defining who we are. But beyond that, you're also our friends. You know, you're an office that clearly values relationship, and that relationship is as profound as the as the details in the sprint. It's it's our it's our relationship. We come to it feeling that we can trust you, um, feeling that when you say speak the unspoken. I'm going to tell you something really difficult that we receive it because it comes from a place of you really do value us. Mm -hmm. And that's truly profound. Mm. And we feel the same about you guys, but the, and Signal Hill is one of our oldest clients and like very special place in my heart and other people on the team's hearts. Um, we've never looked at ourselves in our relationship. And I want you to comment on this as outsiders. I always feel like it's us we, you know, even our language today as we talk, mm -hmm. it's like, hey, this is what we did at the Valley Project. I don't feel like it was Glass Canvas doing it at all. You guys are the heroes in that. But it's like, hey, we're, we're helping you live your thing. Mm -hmm. I remember when I, at my first meeting with Glass Canvas, uh, it was a meeting about the Valley Project Summit. So this is probably in the first or second week after I came on. And I hear we're going to our marketing and design agency, Glass Canvas, and they're gonna we're gonna be walking through sprint details. And I was like, okay, that makes sense. Or and, summit, summit details. Or, or sorry, summit details. And so we're sitting around the table, and all of a sudden we're pulling out the not details about the media. We're pulling out things about the schedule and what are what are we gonna say here and who's speaking here. And I'm thinking, sorry, what is this meeting? Is this are they our design and marketing agency or are they actually helping run it? And it just, it broke apart my idea of our relationship because this wasn't a, we're doing this and we're contracting you to do this little piece, but it's ours. It was, no, this is, this is together collectively our baby, you know, mm -hmm. um, the impact is ours together. And and that means the successes are ours, but we share the failures too. And we share the learning lessons. And, and there's something that just gives you confidence about that. Because you know you're not alone. Yeah. Can you, can you guys unpack that a little bit? Because I can hear somebody going, oh, that's super scary. You know, like, but can we, and we've had some really awesome and awkward conversations over the years about, mm -hmm. um, about that. But would you have it any other way? Like, or what about it makes it, yeah, that's, it is the right way to go, even though it feels like it's a deeper integration into who you guys are. What comes to mind for you? <laughs> a really cliche statement, which is that glass canvas, complete signal hill. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you it, it's true it. though, because people... You know, ask how many how many employees do you have, and I say we have seven employees, right? But in my mind, I'm thinking I don't know—is it twenty-five, thirty? You know, because I'm thinking right. half the time about us together. 
if if you look at the the summit, you break apart. You know who's doing what. It's not that simple. We're all doing it, and there's back and forth conversations, and we're meeting at the Glass Canvas office and hashing things out, and then going back and coming back after to talk about the wins and the losses and how we can do it better next year. And it's not just summit specific. We do this for other things too. And in that sense, it feels like Glass Canvas is part of our team. Definitely. And it's just, we're better together. Mm-hmm. Like every person has strengths and weaknesses. Every organization has strengths and weaknesses. But you guys are so different in terms of like a marketing and media company. I don't even know if that's what your tagline is. Um because you're you're not just about the marketing and the media. You're you're about the person. And that's what we're about. And so it's like the heart of who we are, there's synergy there. Um and so we're just we're way better together. Yeah. We're stronger together. We impact more when we're together. Um it is probably a little bit messier. But the result is way more impactful than if it was just a clear-cut contract. Mm-hmm. If we want you to helicopter in to do this piece, you guys get involved in the whole thing. We plan it from the top down together. Um, and it's like without a doubt, it's way more impactful and transformation happens in the young people because of our partnership. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. You're like professional friends who happen to be good at design and marketing. <laughs> That's my favorite definition. I, I also feel like we're we're being led by you as the quote unquote client. Like I don't. It's weird. Yes, you guys pay us to do what we do. Like, and I think if we could do it for free, there'd be less awkward conversations um, to ride the tension of like conflict of interest. Like, there's total conflict of interest often where it's like, I actually think you should spend the money on this. Here's why you got to make the call, but you know, we're going to do this. Mm-hmm. And there's times you say no, that are totally right. Um, and I think the relationship of deep trust mm-hmm. that flows throughout is, is a testament to that. And it's about figuring, figuring it out together. Um, the other thing is, yeah, we, I feel led by you guys. It's not, we didn't come up with value every person. We just got that from um, the, even some of the leadership before you guys, but then you, how you guys embodied that and said, this is what we want to do with that. Like we're falling in line and saying, yeah, glass canvas, like our why for, for that is value every person. You know, we're, we're falling in line with your why um, because part of who we are is like we want to walk with the spirit led who are building the kingdom and we totally feel like you guys are doing that and we can slot in pretty pretty easily into into doing that. And Yeah, yeah. and... Uh, that one student who created that that campaign um, where she had her her you know her without makeup and her with makeup uh, if I remember correctly the campaign was called see the beauty is that right or is that a different one okay but it was we didn't have a full campaign title for that year it was just um, different images going who's more valuable I think that's what we right. were and they had like a pop star yeah. and a homeless person and like the reason it comes to mind is I remember hearing the term see the beauty quite often. And I think that's what Glass Canvas is ultimately really good at. Mm. Your gift is to see the beauty in organizations and help them bring it out. Mm. You know, our gift is to do what we do. 
In our case, it's to value every person, and we do that by helping kids understand that message and become mm-hmm. leaders who express it. Your gift is to see our gift and to help it grow. Mm. That's so good. This reminds me of just one thing I wanted to say. Hopefully it falls into place with this, is your design team has a unique gift that I've never seen before. I don't actually know what to call it, so I might be calling it something wrong, but it's I'm trying to put words to it. But I want to say it's like a prophetic marketing gift. So when you guys help us come up some, with some marketing words or language or some designs, um, it comes alive. It's like three-dimensional. Like when I look at it, I, I see something. I can pull out a meaning from it. But when Derek looks out at it, he pulls out a different meaning. When all the different students are looking at it, they can read it, but they it resonates with them in a different way with where they're at. For example, um, Pierre, I think it was Pierre, or it might have been Bryce, Bryce mm. um, had come up with um, a, uh, a marketing piece that we used at the summit. Um, do you remember what it was? I don't know if it was like the Instagram wall or oh, I was it the rope one, or maybe because one of the students that were when they were talking about it, they um, they were saying how yeah maybe it was the rope one, the string of connect. Um, all these different words. I don't know how to describe it. There was all these different words. Like I like Pepsi. I like Coke. I like people. I like cats. Um, I struggle with this. I've I've had this experience. You know. And so everybody in the summit would attach string to what resonated with them. Like their own string, and they would weave it through all the ones that resonated with, with the them. overarching and Somebody message. else would do it, and it kind of creates this tapestry of connection. And um, in you know, and so I'm looking at it, going, okay, this is beautiful. A lot of people have a lot of the same similarities. Um, but this young kid gets up there and he starts to unpack what it means to him that he's not alone, that he, you know, sees people that, um, you know, struggle with different issues than he does, but also sees people that struggle with, um, the same issues. I'm, I'm not describing this well, but Pierre comes up to me after and he was like, that wasn't even my initial intent to create that. Um, so it spoke louder than just the original mm-hmm. intent. So there was dimensions to it. Um, and I've never seen that with a marketing agency. Like I've seen w- like a 1D message of like, you know, whatever it is, but there's not depth to it. Mm-hmm. Um, but your team has an ability to, um, to go deeper, which connects with a young person in a different way because we had 55 students there and everybody was impacted very differently through the marketing pieces. Um, but what I, but what you do with the students, what we do with the students, you helped do with us at the sprint. You know, yeah. going deeper, yeah. drawing out what needed to be drawn out and pruning what needed to be pruned. You know, that's ultimately what helped us create this amazing outcome from the sprint, which basically was a, a defining moment for us. We came out of that sprint being able to say, this is who we are, this is what we do, and this is where we're going. Totally. And everyone agreed. Yeah. From and the top down. Talk about presenting it to the board. Like we had a board member in the room representing the board, but yep. then we had, had to go back and say. Yeah, we had to take what we, um, 
what we summarized uh, back to the board to get them to approve like the new direction. Not so much the new direction, but clarity on the direction. We were always moving in that um, in that direction, but there was things holding us back. So we presented, you know, this is where we're going. This is what we need to cut. This is what we need to invest in to align to help us achieve our why. Um, and it went over really well. They approved it. Um, they recognized how much work that we had put into it. Um, you know, having a board member there, I think, really helped because he connected a lot of dots and gave some representation when we were at the board meeting. Um, and so it was just, it set us up for our future. Mm. And talk about how the engagement of the board has shifted. Well, I, I think it activated the board in a new way. Mm -hmm. It, I think when you're doing something for a long period of time, you stop asking questions um, and you start to maybe assume things. And I think, I think coming back to this conversation that yes, we've had for a long time, but coming back to this conversation in a new way, um, in a way that is as challenging as it is exciting, um, brought a new sense of urgency to this issue. We need to figure out who we are and where we're going and how where we're going affects who we are. And I think the results of the sprint gave new life to that conversation and helped energize everyone, not just board, but staff too. And the board took that and is actually now running with it um, still at the board level, wrestling through what does this mean and how can we do it well? And so I think the sprint results, yeah, I think they energized the board. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think the board has been inspired and I think also it's given them direction about how, like who to get for new board members, you know, it's helped clarify things in a new, but very helpful way. And I think the boldness of what you guys said, yeah, this is the way to move forward has uh, I mean, we, we've been around the board. I, I've actually seen them engage in like these difficult conversations that haven't been happening for a while because it's kind of been status quo and this, you guys have always been bold and I think you guys have got like sort of comfortable on that level and this is like, you guys are like, no, you know what, if we actually want to take it to the next level, these are the things that we have to do and I've, I feel like board members are like, oh man, yeah, that's right. Is that right? And I feel like the conversations, they're all kind of, I think alignment is happening at that level as well. Well, and as Carrie mentioned earlier, super important to that meeting was bringing all people there to the table. So having that board representation, who's a board member who's been there for a very long time, perhaps the longest, and the staff who are on the front lines of doing what we do, coming to the table and, uh, and, and saying, oh, that's what your pain is? You know, that's the thing you struggle with. That's the question you're constantly asking. Oh, I didn't know you felt this way, or that's how your calls with donors have gone. And and it brought stuff that were largely assumptions that each party made about the other. And it put that on the table and it allowed us to deal with what's really going on and not what's in my head and what am I assuming about you and your intentions and your thoughts and saying, great, we've got this on the table. Now let's do something with what's actually here. And that was the profound thing because when when 
you and Carrie took it back to the board to present it. You were, you were presenting the real deal. You weren't presenting the assumption and a response uh, and a solution to that assumption. Yeah. And you guys were brave enough to say, look, let's take everything and put it in the light and then we'll figure out. Well, we had to, like as a staff, we had to, to lay it all down. You even said, are you guys ready to just lay it all down? Like as much as you love this project, that project, um, like are you guys gonna take the journey to really discern who you are as an organization, not preferences, but, but be led in unity of like, where do we go? Who are we? The word you used I think was called an anointed. Mm. Are you called an anointed to this direction? And you know, the scary part is, if we couldn't figure out what that was, if we couldn't agree, then this is a make it or break it moment. We either make it or to put it really blandly, we collapse. And I think you helped us identify our calling and anointing. Awesome. Hey everyone, thanks for listening. If you like the show, you can subscribe and learn more on our website, glasscanvas.io. We're so grateful that you could join us. To everyone out there working hard to build the kingdom, keep doing work that matters. This show is produced by Gareth Alexander with music by Jonathan Velasquez. Curious about any examples or resources discussed on the show? Check out the show notes for more info.